Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. are listening to Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim. And in this week's episode, we're reviewing Mortal Kombat, plus all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies and apparently sing them in the intro. Mm. Hopefully that wasn't too much of an ear sore for, for you listening at home. <laughs> Doesn't the music get you pumped though? It really does. It really does. Uh, Lee, tell us about Mortal Kombat. I will. So Mortal Kombat is about Earth's chosen heroes banding together to stop Emperor Shang Tsung and his outworld warriors from gaining control of Earth realm in a deadly battle called... Mortal Kombat. <laughs> okay. So the film is directed by Simon McCoy. This is his directorial debut. Mm-hmm. It's pretty extraordinary. Uh, with a screenplay by Greg Russo and Dave Callahan, with story credits for Oren Uziel and Greg Russo. Movies obviously based on the video game created by Ed Boon and John Tobias, and it stars Louis Tan, Jessica McNamee, Josh Lawson, Cece Stringer, Joe Taslin, Mikad Brooks, Tadanobu Asano, and Hiroyuki Sanada. Amazing cast there. It is an amazing cast. Lots of Aussie representation in there with Cece mm-hmm. and Josh, which is great to see. And Jessica. And Jessica, indeed. Mm. So let's talk about the story, right? Mm-hmm. It's playing heavily on the nostalgia of not just the game, but obviously the 1995 movie and let's pretend the sequel didn't happen. (laughs) Lots of fan service in this one, but it also brings something new to the table, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think what it brings something new to the table for me is how incredibly strong to the point where I was surprised 
uh, the opening of the film. Mm. It's kind of set in 1617. Strong opening. Really, really strong opening and kind of introduces you to the character of Scorpion Mm -hmm. uh, and offers a very different look and feel to the rest of the film. So for me, it stood out then and then also for me still like looking back at the whole Mm. film as a full uh, piece of work. Just to extend on the opening, I'd love to hear what you, what you took out of it. I felt there was a lot of tension, mm. suspense, there was drama. And at that point, it established really strong context character. And then the cherry on top was that exceptional fight scene and mm. the supporting cinematography. Yeah, amazing. Very, very strong start. This whole separate thing going on with Scorpion and Sub-Zero mm. that I think deserved more attention throughout the film it started the film so strongly, as we said, and then sort of fell by the wayside. Yeah, I mean, I think it's unavoidable to compare it to the 1995. Mm. So, yes, they set up Scorpion and Sub-Zero super strongly at the beginning, but they certainly gave them as characters and their relationship mm, yep. much more uh, screen time than the original, don't you think? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. A lot more character development there, which was fantastic. So good to see and so important because then you're just so much more invested uh, and there's just a lot more at stake, I felt. Personally, I was a little disappointed in the structure of the film, though, Mm. in that it felt somewhere between an origin story talking about Scorpion and Sub-Zero and a reboot. Mm. I would have liked to have seen it play out more like the tournament. Yes. It was missing that tournament aspect, don't you think? So I've got a note here Mm. saying, when did, does the tournament begin? (laughs) (laughs) I I wrote it in my notepad and then obviously in the notes that I'm reading off at the moment, but I, I just couldn't figure it out and I thought, that I'd miss something and that I was going to have to go back and revisit it. And I thought, oh my gosh, have I been a really passive viewer here? To me, it felt like the lead up to the tournament is this big crescendo that never Mm. peaks, which I find really frustrating. It's like a song where in the club and it's like, just drop the beat. Like we're we're there, (laughs) just do it now. But it never dropped. Yeah. So, yeah. But I think people would argue that with all the fights that were included in the film, that doesn't matter. But it took something away from that looming threat of Shang Tsung and all his warriors. That tension was missing with the lack of the tournament. Yeah, and it kind of offered a bit of chaotic energy to the story and the structure that you mentioned before. Without the actual, like, gong or whatever that Mm. the tournament has begun, you didn't actually know where it was headed. And it was just kind of like they were just fighting each other and breaking all these rules. And... Look, did the tournament need to be there? Probably not. However, as an audience, you were expecting the tournament. So mm. when you don't deliver on that key like piece of nostalgia, that key piece of the story that everyone's like waiting to begin, you end up having, mm. you know, like you and I, a little bit, where was the tournament? Like mm. We were expecting that. It wasn't mm. there. Why? So it's an interesting way of like how they did it, yep. to be honest. A creative choice, isn't it? Creative choice and yeah. good for them for mixing it up, I think, you know, was a risk that they took there. Another creative choice was I missed the really over-the-top entrances, which can come across as cheesy sometime or a bit kitsch, but yeah. where the characters get their big reveal moments, you know. There was yeah. a couple of them in there, but I just really wanted that cheese. Well, I mean, the 90s, if you were to put it into a box and label it, it would be cheese. And so I guess um, the 1995 original lent into that heavily. So I guess they couldn't really do that in 2021. Mm. But look, it, it, was, it was still very loud. Can, can I just um, mention, it's kind of like a positive that leans into like then my interpretation of it is I did feel that the world building 
throughout this movie from a story mm. perspective was handled with a lot more care and attention than the original. I yeah. was a little bit more like, ooh, so we're understanding these characters and their world and their motivations just a little bit more. But I, I was still confused. Um, you were confused? What were you confused by? Because it felt a little rushed and it mm. left you a little lost at times. If anything, I think that it's a film that demonstrates clear wins in areas that we'll discuss in a moment, but then it just misses the mark and leaves you a little disappointed. So I'd offer this headline with this film Mm. in that it had a lot of potential uh, in the story development area, Mm. but I just don't think it got there. So you think it felt rushed. I was going to say the pacing I thought was pretty spot on. It's it's what people want, a story that moves at a good pace and gets to the draw card, which is the fights. The tournament that wasn't there. <laughs> well, okay, rush, let me explain maybe a little bit more. Mm. I felt like probably in the third act, I just couldn't keep up with what was happening, I suppose. It just felt a little bit disjointed, so maybe rushed was the wrong word. Mm-hmm. But I, I felt the length was good. And the pacing, all that stuff, I just yep. got a little bit lost in what it was trying to say at times, especially okay. uh, towards the end. Yeah, And the dialogue isn't the greatest, is it? Oh, but it's so much better than the 95. Yeah. Come on. But I mean, it works in a film like this. People aren't coming for the Shakespearean sonnets. You know what I mean? <laughs> Can we see a Shakespearean version of Mortal Kombat, please? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> That'd be so... In black and white, just to... Oh, yes. Just to put the Zack Snyder flair on things. All right, let's talk about the visual effects because there is no denying that the visual effects are phenomenal. Gosh, this film looked good, didn't it? Oh, yeah. You need to see it on the big screen if you can because it's just full force in your face. Absolutely. I think that what worked really well was the practical and special effects coexisting Yes. Really great in camera and then, you know, in in after, in post-production. And that's one thing that was really important to Simon McCoy, I think, that they used in-camera effects more than CGI or equal to CGI. Yeah, definitely. And that is always a delicate balance, especially in this Mm. modern filmmaking world where you get directors and creatives that just get so distracted by CGI, a la Transformers films and Fast (laughs) and Furious franchise. The list goes on, but we're not here to talk about those. But I think that... Probably its biggest strength, this film, is the aesthetic and mm-hmm. and the way that the production design, costume, yep. uh, cinematography, all that stuff all worked so well together. Well, Simon McCoy, as we mentioned, is a newcomer in the sense that he's a first-time feature director, mm. but he has a lot of experience in making commercials, which may seem like a big jump at first, but when you think about it, ads are only 30 seconds long, so you have this short time to make a big impact, and I think that serves him really well here in bringing Mortal Kombat to the screen. Maybe that whole commercial sense, you know, you only have 30 seconds to 60 seconds for yeah. a, in a TVC to communicate a message. It's so important to cut through, and what really stands out is super effective and iconic to this franchise uh, and and this brand are the fatalities. Yeah, and he, I think he just nails them. They they're designed so well. And yeah, bloody hell, they pack a punch to say the least. Yeah, right? and where the dialogue lets the film down sometimes, McCoy elevates the movie visually. So there's that balance mm. going on. Yeah, definitely. The movie is described as gory, obviously those fatality moves. It's certainly violent, but I found it very stylized. There's real beauty in things like blood splatter, the way shots are framed, especially that opening sequence. It's done really, really well. Yeah, I mean, look, there will be audiences that will feel a little unsettled with the gore. 
but they frame it such as you said. It's mm. quite beautiful and stylized. And I think, again, that's a real strength of this movie that can kind of take the the hit away from blood splatter mm. and heads getting ripped yeah. off and arms getting ripped off, all sorts of things. It almost felt like watching a video game, didn't it? Well, yeah, and it's based on a video game. So how good is that? <laughs> it's good. That you say that and you felt that. Yeah. The fans will bloody light that shit up. I mean, you had to do it that way as well because there's signature moves like, you know, Sub-Zero smacking the blood out of a body and then freezing it midair and using it as a knife. And you can only get away with that here. Yeah, maybe don't take your kids to see this film. <laughs> well, it's rated R, so I really hope you're not taking your kids to see this film. Yeah, how'd you get in? All right, let's talk about the performances because there's some newcomers, some established actors, some international. Mm. Nice mix here, isn't there? I think everyone plays their part here really well. Yeah. As expected, and if you compare to the 95 original, the acting style of that camp 90s flick has no place in this version, and I mm. think that's the right decision. Although there are some, you know, corny moments here and there, let's be <laughs> yeah. honest. I love to see established Australian actors like Jessica McNamee and Josh Lawson alongside up-and-comers like Sissy Stringer who just yeah. brought so much to the table and she had hardly any dialogue, so that's no mean feat. It is no mean feat and often they're the hardest roles to play because you have to communicate mm. like your sense and being and your purpose without dialogue and, you know, her character design is unbelievable yep. and she definitely uses that to her advantage when the camera's pointing at it, that's for sure. Yeah. Josh Lawson in particular looks like he's having an absolute blast playing <laughs> Kano, an arrogant, selfish son of a bitch who'd screw over anyone given the chance. I mean, who wouldn't have fun with that? <laughs> he's got the best lines in the movie, no doubt, but swears an awful lot. And look, I'm no prude, but every second word out of his mouth was fuck this, fuck that, fuck you. And I thought, is that down to the improv or is that just trying to get the R rating in there? Well, I mean, I don't think they needed F words to get the R rating. <laughs> it no. was, certainly would have helped. But yes, I'm glad you bring that up. I drop an F-bomb often in my life. I'm also no prude. Our listeners would not know that about you. Come yeah, on. We never have to tick the explicit box when we're uploading <laughs> our episodes. Um, but yeah, I found it really irritating at times, the amount of times he said the F-bomb. And yeah, maybe it was it his was a bit much. I- improvising. But um, that's not to say his performance absolutely big tick. Yeah. It's just if he dropped maybe like five F-bombs throughout the life of the film... I think he would have packed an even bigger punch. I felt that Jessica McNamee was a little underutilised as Sonia, unfortunately. She was the one with all the info but Mm. felt like a hanger-on for a lot of the movie and maybe I'm just a little biased because Sonia is one of my favourite characters. We haven't asked that actually. Who's your favourite character? Oh, look, gosh. I'm going to say two, Scorpion Mm. and... Sub-Zero, because their relationship interested me the most, I think. Mm. And they got so much more screen time in this version than the original. And they actually played much more pivotal role. So you, so Sonya's your favourite then? Yeah, she's been my favourite. Yeah. But no, Sub-Zero and Scorpion, amazing, yes. And their rivalry is just so fascinating. Oh, it really is. We have to mention the incredible actors and martial artists like Hiroyuki Sonata, who has been in Westworld and Avengers Endgame, mm. and Joe Taslim as Scorpion and Sub-Zero, respectively. Watching them work, their bodies, yeah. and how the camera framed them, just that commitment was just astonishing. Yeah, the it, two of them together, yeah. fantastic. Unbelievable um, craftsmanship there. So good to see in this film. And the perfect environment to show off your martial art chops, you know. Now, we were lucky enough to sit down with the cast and the director and the producer of Mortal Kombat. And 
we actually asked Josh Lawson and Sissy Stringer more about what it took to really get into the spirit of their iconic characters. Shall we take a little bit of a listen to that? Let's dive straight in there. I think it's an invitation to fight for something known. Mortal Kombat. Tell us a little bit about your character. What's her motivation? Um, Melina is a very loyal servant of Shang Tsung. So they are uh, inhabitants of Outworld, which is a very dark realm, a lot of dark magic and such. And I am the clone of a beautiful princess of a, of a beautiful realm, Katana, except I'm mixed with alien Tarkatan DNA, so I have these big teeth and these nasty scars and I'm vicious and, you know, throat biting and flesh eating. And I live to serve Outworld. You were first introduced in the film uh, with the line, careful he bites, and how true that is. Mm-hmm. You seem to have a lot of fun playing the role of Kano. Yeah, he was fun. He's, um... You know, it's fun because his role is so clear, right? He's a bastard and there's sort of, once you know the parameters, it's easy to sort of play within that. And his motivation is always so singular. He's he's a narcissist, he's selfish, he's only out for himself. And it makes acting pretty simple. Mm. So, um... (laughs) And uh, so we're yeah. reading his lines on the script when they sent it. Listen, yeah. they were the best lines. Um, <laughs> you get it, and Simon let me, you know, um, improv a bunch, and so it was. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. It, yeah, it was I, great I, to watch too. Yeah, it was the cool. improv thing, it, oh. it makes everything feel fresh, Absolutely. and it was great and collaborative as well. Yeah, well, I really enjoyed that. It was certainly hilarious. I think yeah. the fact that Kano is Australian somehow inherently makes him even funnier. Oh yeah, yeah. Doesn't oh it? yeah. Americans, yeah. Americans love the Aussies too, yeah. don't they? Yeah. You fucking beauty. How great was it to hear from those guys? They were so fun to talk to. So much fun. The energy in that room was palpable. Mm. You can check out our full interview with Josh Lawson and Cece Stringer on our YouTube page. Search Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim. Check it out. All right, let's talk about how this one stacks up to the game and the earlier movies. You know, on one hand, you shouldn't probably compare, but on the other hand, there's no avoiding it, is there? No, absolutely not. And I have gone back to the mid-90s a few times uh, in in this review. But, yeah, it is unavoidable. Uh, Notable addition here is the character of Cole. What did you think of him? He was great and Lewis Tan was fantastic to watch. I think he really embodied this new character that they've made for the game and made him instantly interesting. Okay, so I'm kind of a bit different in my take on Cole. Okay. So maybe I'm being overly critical, but I thought he was really good uh, as an actor Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed watching him however I wasn't sure about him as a character like I don't know whether he was utilized in the best way and to me he felt like even though he's meant to be the main character arguably Mm. he felt just part of the ensemble so you know maybe in future films he might step up and I do think that might be the case so that's just how I felt you wanted them to elevate him to real hero status and put him out the front of all the rest of them yeah, I, I would have liked mm. to have seen that. Well, that's what I was expecting, you know, when mm. I was watching his story arc um, mm. come about. And I guess, you know, when he found his arcana, mm. I just thought, you know, he was then going to 
Woo. Yeah. Come to the forefront. Even that was a little bit disappointing, wasn't it? Yeah. Because wasn't particularly impressive. Not really. We're not going to give it away. <laughs> yeah. but. but especially in comparison to some of the other characters. And yeah. actually in comparing to the original film to this one, I felt yeah. like you understood what Arcana was a lot more and the abilities of the characters. And yeah. I think their their fighting style and the brutality of it was just much more effectively achieved here. What did you think? Yeah, I think they did a good job of that, definitely. Yeah. They're really playing up the fatalities, as we've said before, and mm. earning that R rating, <laughs> which does bring it more in line with the games than the first adaptation, which is what fans wanted, really. Oh, absolutely. People are going to have a lot of opinions about which characters are and aren't included. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of characters in the Mortal Kombat universe. Some are going to fall by the wayside. It's only natural. What did you think about the selection that was included here? Oh, I was impressed. Uh, I, I was happy. Like, just to be to be honest, I've seen the original film, but I'm not familiar with the game franchise. Right. So I, don't, I can't list off, you know, the... 80 odd characters that yeah. are apparently part of this whole uh, whole world but I felt there was a really good balance of different kinds of characters different yeah. abilities where they came from and look this will be a franchise so yeah. we will get more characters how about you do you think they got the balance right yeah and uh, Joe Taslim has said that he has signed on for four more films if they green light them so that is possibly in the works it's about as many Avatar films <laughs> I always try and Weave that in as often <laughs> as I can, don't I? Yeah. I mean, look, if you try to take the source material too seriously and follow it too closely, you run the risk of failing in the eyes of fans if it's not exactly right. So you have to get creative and evolve the costumes and the characters and include some people, don't include other people. You have to do all that to make something unique. A good example of that is Reptile is reinvented as an actual reptile in this movie. Right. And that's not a spoiler. That information is out there. And I think they've done that really well. They've walked that line well, I think. Yeah, and that's what cinema should be allowed to do. And yeah. it's called creative license. Yes. And it's really good to see creatives going down that road and yeah. not just ticking the fan service box, but going, okay, we're going to interpret this character just a little bit different. Yeah. And you mightn't get the version you are familiar with uh, here, but maybe in two films' time you will. And I think that payoff is packs a much more punch. Like it just gives more uh, light and shade and breadth mm. uh, to uh, where the story could go and, and world building, etc. Well, uh, Lee and I asked director Simon McCoy and producer E. Bennett Walsh about how they decided which characters to include and how they harnessed the nostalgia and love of the video games to create their movie. And their answer was a little surprising. Mm. So let's take a listen. Speaking of the characters, how did you come to decide which ones would ultimately be included? Because there's, without spoiling anything, maybe one notable fan favourite that's missing. Well, yes. <laughs> no, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's completely missing. Not completely, no. Perhaps, you know, not enough screen time, but there are 80-plus characters in the game. Yes, yeah. that's right. So... The main set of characters were already predetermined when I got on. So then where Greg and I, uh, mostly Greg actually, sort of took it and talked about those other, the other characters that, that then um, come into it. That was just, it's, each of them had their different reasons to exist. And, and, 
you know, Naitara was, you know, we loved this idea that we could have this flying element in the film that added another facet of dynamism through some of the shots. And so each just had a different, different reason to exist. Now, just as we wrap up, I think we can agree that nostalgia is an incredibly um, powerful tool. How do you establish your Mortal Kombat as more than just a remake? Why is it more than that? Others can perhaps answer that better after they see it, right? Because I'm sort of inside it and pushing it out. But really, I didn't really look at any of the original material or films or anything. I'm not, we're not trying to remake anything. Mm -hmm. we, I said to everyone at the start of this project, think of it as a set of novels that a game was created and then graphic novels and then a web series was made out of. It's beyond just a game and think of it in those terms. And really ultimately what I wanted to do was land in a, an original space that doesn't really draw from, other than having the same characters, it doesn't tonally, stylistically draw from any of the original films. It doesn't draw from anything really and it just becomes its own thing that respects the Mortal Kombat essence and DNA but amplifies it into this cinematic place. So. That's really what I set out to make, and hopefully that's what people feel. Get over here! some juicy behind-the-scenes info there for you from the director and producer themselves. They were really great to talk to. I just love getting those golden nuggets of mm. information about their process and the decisions that they make to ultimately uh, deliver a film that they set out to produce for, for audiences. Shall we wrap up our review of Mortal Kombat, Tim? All right, let's do this fight. <laughs> <laughs> While the action and fights were amped up and executed extremely well, I would have liked to have seen the iconic rivalries between Sub-Zero and Scorpion and even Lord Raiden and Shang Tsung given just as an much attention. Mm. Yes, the fights are graphic and visually impressive, but perhaps would have benefited more from a bit more tension and a better build-up. Most felt like a climax that came too easily for me. Did you get that? Yeah, yeah, I felt that. Yeah. Overall, though, it's a visual spectacular that does right by the IP that inspired it, and it's entertaining from start to finish, thoroughly entertaining. So make sure you see it on the big screen. I'm giving it four popcorn kernels. Ooh, four popcorn kernels. Love that. All right, so the opening scene represented everything that was good about this film, and I really feel fans of the game and film franchise will absolutely lap this up. This film is for the fans and it is a bloody fun ride delivering on action, visuals and a clear path for more films that will have audiences screaming for the sequel to get over here. <laughs> While this film wasn't a flawless victory, it wasn't a fatality either. So I'm going to rate Mortal Kombat 3 Popcorn Kernels. Jump on the Popcorn Podcast socials and let us know what you think of Mortal Kombat. It's in Australian cinemas now. We know there are big fans out there in our listener base, so please share your thoughts. Now, before we dive into movie and trailer news, we just wanted to share that we have a special episode in the works. As you know, we are about to celebrate our second anniversary. Ah! So, Tim and I will be looking back over the last two years to discuss our milestones, favourite moments and what's next for Popcorn Podcast. Exciting stuff. 
We can't wait to sit back and reflect and look to the future with you all very soon. Now, over the last few weeks, we've always said, you know, we're about to celebrate our second year anniversary and Mm. our only reaction has been, (laughs) so we promise that this special episode will be more than just, (laughs) we'll actually have coherent dialogue and a conversation. So keep an eye out for that one, guys. Oli, we're so excited about this piece of news. So Mad Max prequel Furiosa. No, it's Furiosa. (laughs) Okay. Uh, We'll film, all right, Hermione. We'll film in Australia next year in a move that will bring at least 350 million Australian dollars into the state's economy and involve 850 jobs. The movie will be written and directed by the iconic George Miller Mm. and Anya Taylor-Joy in the lead role and... Chris Hemsworth co-starring. Hello. We talked about this being his first Australian film, didn't we? Yes, that is right, Mm. which is just ridiculous. Mm. Ridiculous. I mean, he's filmed movies in Australia before, but they've always been Hollywood productions. And I think Mad Max is definitely an Australian franchise, isn't it? Welcome home, Hemsworth. Oh, yeah. It's set to film in and around Sydney and the state in places like Broken Hill, which Mad Max is traditionally filmed there, Mm. and Miller revealed Furiosa will be set over many years, whereas Fury Road was set during just a few days. Oh, God, Fury Road is one of the best action films of all time. Mm. And just that whole pacing of it, oh, my God, it's iconic. I cannot wait for Miller to bring us back into this world. I'm, I'm so stoked. Now, Mattel has announced they have yet another movie in the works based on one of their popular properties. They're really into this at the moment, aren't they? Yes. <laughs> the Rock'em Sock'em movie will star Vin Diesel and is based on the tabletop game where, you know, those red and blue robots box each other. Okay, I'm um, just, what the fuck? Anyway, <laughs> I'll finish this off. This comes after heist movie Uno was announced starring Little Yachty. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my god! I can't. Every time someone mentions the word "little yachty," I can't. Oh, we lost it last time we mentioned the. <laughs> Doing it again, I'm oh, crying. Oh my god! Um, and also Barbie starring Margot Robbie and a live-action Barney movie with Daniel Kaluuya. I just. <laughs> feel... We have to take this seriously. But we can't. It's impossible. I mean, come on, a Rock'em Sock'em movie. You're basically like Rocky Balboa and Real Steel, like thrown into the mix, right? True, very true. I'd rather watch that over Uno, though. <laughs> I'm kind of curious about Uno. I'm not going to be able to talk about that movie. <sighs> Maybe we'll have to watch that one at home rather yeah. than in the cinema. We'll lose it. Very excited for Barbie starring Margot Robbie, though. Yes, very, very excited. She, she's fantastic. I love Margot. Okay, so this week we got the first trailer for Marvel's Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. The superhero movie stars Simu Liu in the role of Shang-Chi, who is known as the master of Kung Fu, with Tony Leung, Aquafina, and Michelle Yeoh co-starring. So the film is expected in Australian cinemas on September 2nd. This trailer just came out of nowhere. was not expecting it at all. No, and it blew me away. It was phenomenal. I'm, I'm very s- excited. I'm so sad we didn't see Michelle Yu in the trailer, though. I just adore her. Mm-hmm. She's a fantastic actress. How do you feel about this? Are you excited? This is a very different film in the MCU than we yeah, had before. and it's very important for representation, too. And I think um, it's just going to be lapped up. We're going to love it. 
Yeah, and I think Aquafina will just add the perfect layer of comedy as we kind of got at the end of the trailer. It was brilliant. The eternal funny sidekick, which is no shade to Aquafina at all. None at all. Good stuff. Keep it up, gal. Now, Downton Abbey 2 has officially begun production with a release date set for December 22nd, which is usually Boxing Day in Australia. Yeah which is just in time for the holidays. Now, the original principal cast will all return for the second film, which includes Hugh Bonneville, Michelle Dockery, Imelda Staunton and Maggie Smith. In addition, Hugh Dancy, Laura Haddock, Natalie Bay and Dominic West uh, will join the cast. I thought Hugh Dancy was already in the series. Look, I'm going to be honest here and say I haven't watched the series. Neither have I. We covered the movie, yeah, the I first t- movie though. I took my auntie, so I hope you realise that she will be coming with me to see the sequel. <laughs> You're out, Lee. Oh, sorry. Um, but Hugh Dancy just is the iconic British actor that's in all of these kind of yeah, movies, isn't he? Totally. Where's Kira Knightley? Where's Hugh Grant? You know, throw it. Let's get Rowan Atkinson in here. List yeah. goes on. Now, Russell Crowe has confirmed that he'll be playing, wait for it, the god Zeus in Thor Love and Thunder. There was a lot of speculation about what he was doing on the set and he has come out and revealed that massive piece of news. It is huge. I'm wondering if he was meant to say it out loud. You think it was a whoopsie? Oh, well, I mean, these have happened. Mm. Uh, Tom Holland, his middle name is Whoopsie. He let out <laughs> so much shit about his character in his movies. Mm. So I, it's, I reckon it's a PR stunt for sure. Okay. Well, he revealed that information during an interview with an Australian radio station, Joy 94.9, and he said, I'm going to get on my bicycle and I'm going to ride up to Disney Fox Studios around 9.15, I shall be Zeus. It's for (laughs) Thor. It's my last day of Zeusing about and I'm going to enjoy it. So this news paves the way to introduce the Olympians into the MCU. Yeah, so excitedly this could mean Hercules who in the comics is part of the Avengers. So it might you know, create a bridge Ooh. to bring Hercules into the mix, which is exciting. Now, we also got a trailer for The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, which is the third in the series, um, starring Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. The film reveals a chilling story of terror, murder and unknown evil that shocked even experienced real-life paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren, uh, Patrick Wilson and Vera, respectively. One of the most sensational cases from their files, it starts with a fight for the soul of a young boy, then takes them beyond anything they'd ever seen before. I feel like I'm doing the voiceover for the trailer at the moment. Well, they've seen some shit before. So if they're saying this is like nothing they've seen before. Yeah. I know, it, it's, it's extraordinary. And, and this case marked the first time in US history that a murder suspect would claim demonic possession as a defence. Wow. Yeah, so this uh, this trailer is, yeah, it's got a lot of layers to it. And I've never really been drawn to that franchise. No. But this trailer yep. has me absolutely hooked. Completely agree with you there. Now, I think we've briefly spoken about this piece of news before, but yes. uh, Warner Brothers are remaking The Father of the Bride. How dare they? How dare they indeed. Starring Andy Garcia, will allow it, with Gloria Estefan, again, will allow it. Yes. <laughs> Just like the versions of this beloved story before it in the 50s and the 90s, which obviously starred Steve Martin, Diane Keaton and Martin Short in that iconic role of Frank. Every party has a pooper and the pooper at the party's George Barnes. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> 
So this latest remake will again centre on the father of a soon-to-be bride coming to terms with his daughter's nuptials. However, it will be told through the relationships in a big, sprawling Cuban-American family. Look, I'm not impressed that they're remaking this. The 90s films are just perfect. But it was a remake. Elizabeth Taylor was in the original in in the Mm. 50s. So I guess it is in its DNA that this movie gets remade after, you know, a couple of decades. It's but, like a star is born. Uh, true, I guess. Gosh, that's actually a very, very valid point. I don't know. I just have such – oh, my heart is so yeah. big for the Father of the Bride films. How do you feel? You Are you a bit like, ooh, what the fuck? Yeah. I mean, again, it's great for representation. So, mm. but I, yeah. Do they have to keep remaking all these movies? Yes. But then again, we just we just reviewed Bloody Mortal Kombat, didn't we? And we said go and see it. So True. It's it's a bit hypocritical to say that we love one remake but don't want any other remakes because, yeah, sometimes they're good. That's true. It, you're 100% right. And Popcorn Podcast will be there and we will be reviewing this. Yeah. So watch out when it's released. Well, that's it for another jam-packed episode of Popcorn Podcast. Tim, we covered Mortal Kombat. We went head-to-head over this iconic franchise. And we we're very excited to bring you interviews with... Josh Lawson, C.C. Stringer, E. Bennett Walsh and Simon McCoy. Don't forget to check out our YouTube for the full extended interviews. We had a lot of fun. And Mortal Kombat is in cinemas now. Make sure you see it on the big screen. Absolutely. Guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. We are now on YouTube where you will find our latest celebrity video interviews. Simply search Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.